Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And every other week, we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Okay, how are you? I'm okay. Um, yeah. How were your computer updates? Oh, they're so thrilling. <laughs> I love watching that, like, 77% completed. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so good. Super helpful. Yeah. And great timing. Yeah. Um, I am, uh, I redid my setup here, so hopefully Excellent. there will not be any echo. Coconut's pretty sure it's playtime right now. Oh, man. Because she keeps offering her favorite toy to me. And uh, I'm going to take her collar off because it's very jingly. <laughs> so I went with the blanket over me uh, situation here. It's... I have also have a blanket. My house is very cold and I don't like it. Oh, I mean, I have it over my whole body, like over my head to oh, block the nice <laughs> but i also have other blankets as well on me so although it's quite warm under here so that's good. i would imagine yeah i'm looking forward to when we move i will have a better space set up then but until then here we go i am using a broken fan and a stool and a laundry hanger thingy to keep this blanket from touching my head yeah Good times. Sitting on the floor of the living room. I can hear Pepper snoring on the couch, but hopefully <laughs> no one else can. I do not hear her. She's ridiculous. She is ridiculous. Oh All of our God. animals snore. Actually, Coconut doesn't <sighs> snore too often, but now and then she does. Lily and Potato both snore a lot. <laughs> Did I hear a can crack open? Yeah, it's just seltzer. It's nothing interesting. Nice. Although I did just have a slightly mighty before that, and I was like, well, maybe mm. I'll just have a seltzer for now. I do like the Slightly Mighty. It's tasty. I am, again, drinking some N.A. athletic beer, so nice. I have some for Friday, too. Fabulous. I haven't tried that one yet. It's a, it's a cherry stout. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. Good. Yeah, hopefully it's good. <laughs> I will probably have one more drink. I'm trying to not be too horribly monstrous, and we had pizza last night for dinner, so I'm like, mm, maybe I won't eat all of the things and drink all of the beers today like uh. I did yesterday. I've been a food monster, just not a drink monster. <laughs> I've been a both monster. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much more fun than not. It really is. It really is. And being in my house all the time is mostly okay, except for that since generally I was using being at home time to sit on my couch and do nothing pre-pandemic and do things outside the house all other times it leads to a lot of sitting around and doing nothing because that is what my house is for yeah i really like sitting home <laughs> most of the time uh and i am not looking forward to necessarily having a job where i don't get to sit home all the time if i find one where that will be the case yeah and also, I don't want to exercise anymore outside anyway, because it's cold out and exercising inside is boring, and I have been anyway, but I am much less likely to exercise for sustained periods of time if I have to do so indoors than when I could, like, go yep. to the parkour gym we were going to or go for a run outside where the weather is nice. 
Because yeah. the weather is cold and icky right now. And also, I'm not going to any gyms because COVID. COVID, yeah. <laughs> working or working out at <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I heard it's almost over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard it's going to be over on November 4th. <laughs> oh, so we're good then. I'm just going to We're I'm fine. Gonna it go it, ahead it do ended a, a long time ago, Kathy. Yeah. Were you not aware of that? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> You get confused. Yeah, I can see why. It's easy. It's easy to get confused about these things. I do need to find a way to comfortably sit in this new location, but we'll... Whatever. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'll just try not to move around too much at the microphone. That's probably a good option and idea. Yeah. God damn it. Nothing works. Okay. I'm going back to the position I was in, and my knee can just fucking suck it up. Okay. <laughs> Stupid knee. Stupid Who knee. Who needs knees anyway? You have another one. I know. Well, both of them are still a little, are still both slightly janky after, uh, um, I fell off my bike how many years ago? Yeah, that was, was a long time so ago. so many years ago, but still the, the MCL on both of them is still a little, it hurts sometimes, and being in certain positions knees are really not well designed but since yeah. we were relying on evolution instead of design we got what we got so here we are <laughs> i heard design was intelligent and that's what we had yep, yep of course i'm wrong i know mm -hmm. i heard it from the same people who said covid was over november 4th it's <laughs> shocking that's shocking to me <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. weird science, should we talk about this episode? <laughs> sure. I ignored any weird science. No, I actually so don't you... have too much of an issue with most of what they had to say for <laughs> okay. once. Most of it was okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. So today we are talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 1 Episode 15, Singularity. You get a little silly scene in the gate room. The Stargate's opening up and SG-1 comes in and they're talking about how they're going to go see a black hole and it's going to be super cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I guess they're hoping to see the matter spiraling into the black hole during an eclipse on another planet. Yes. Since you can't see a black hole directly right. itself. Technically. Theoretically. Uh, <laughs> And Jack, you know, is like, oh, actually, it's an accretion disk. Yeah. And <laughs> Everyone's Daniel like, continues. <laughs> yeah. Especially Daniel, though, because he takes a moment yeah. and then he's still talking about something else and suddenly he whips around like, what? Jack knows a science thing? What? <laughs> I know. Um, and Sam, is, you know, Sam says to him, you didn't think he just uses his telescope to look at his neighbors. <laughs> but then, of course, he's like, not at first anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go through the gate. Yep. And that's it. There's a lot of short yeah. scenes in this one. There are. On the new planet, there was supposed to be an SG team there to meet them. SG-7, I believe. Yes. And there's nobody there. So they start walking down the path towards this kind of distant town and find an unconscious guy on the road. And when Jack flips him over, they see sores all over his face. Jack orders what he says is Mop 4, so they put on the same, basically the same hoods that they were using in the Cold Lazarus episode. So these are multi-purpose, I guess. 
and cleans off his hands with some yellow crumbly looking stuff from a packet. And then he orders Daniel and Teal to go and check out the village to see why nobody is looking for this random dead guy on the road and to see what might have happened to the other people in town and as well as possibly SG-7. And then he and Sam head to the observatory to see what is happening there. Did you like the sign when they count, They come out of the gate and there's a sign that's like, welcome to Hanka. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, at first I was like, did the people who live there put that up? Or are they just super friendly? But then I saw it had like a planet designation. So I'm like, no, SG, SG7 or somebody did yeah. that. Cause, <laughs> but I, I thought that was nice, you know, a little friendly greeting. I thought that was funny too. Yeah. Because that's the first time that we've actually seen anything like that on any planet. Yeah. It was amusing. And I don't, yeah, and we don't learn anything pretty much about these people. So nope. you don't know if they're friendly, if they have dealt with other people traveling through the Stargate or what. Right. So, but it was fun. It was. I liked the sign. Yeah. Jack and uh, Sam make it to the observatory. And they find, they see their big telescope they've got set up ready for the eclipse. This is like the most high-tech society that we've really kind of seen so far. Because most of them have been yeah. like... You know, ancient Egyptian or ancient Minoan or what have you. Not a whole lot of technology that they've kind of developed themselves other than like the Guawuld technology, which is supposedly super advanced. But these people had like that giant telescope and computers that kind of looked like they could have come I... out of the 1960s. So I thought it was an interesting change from what we've seen before. I didn't notice enough. I, I assumed that the SGC had brought all that stuff over. Oh. I, mean, I guess we never really get so. any confirmation, but that would have been a lot of stuff for them to bring over. And to me, I thought it looked like it was all a little bit too old to have come from SBC, oh, but also maybe I'm forgetting how old Car 90s tech really would be. So yeah, maybe you're right. Carter really wants to see that black hole. So, yes. <laughs> um, so they're looking around because obviously they had not found anybody yet and they make their way into uh, an area sleeping quarters, it looks like, with bunk beds. And then they find the ST team is there and they are all dead. Yep. And they have these like ugly region things on their skin. Yep. And then Daniel is yelling and comes in and he's like, they're all dead. Everyone's dead. She's dead. He's dead. Must be dead. He was worse than dead. His brain is gone. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Everyone is dead. Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get credits. Yeah. And then we get a very quick scene at the gate of a hazmat team walking from the gate to the village. End scene. <laughs> Take it away, Kathy. <laughs> oh, I think I, I combine this with what came after, I think, in my oh, notes. I see. <laughs> you want me to keep going? Yes. Okay. <laughs> At the observatory, SG-1 is just finishing decontamination. They're spraying them down with some white stuff, and Dr. Frazier is there, saying that the whole complex has been decontaminated now. Sam is estimating that there are about a thousand people dead, but Dr. Frazier wants to know why no message or warning of any kind was sent to let them know exactly what was happening. So SG-1 figures that it must have happened really fast if... SG-7 or anybody else on the planet for that matter never got the chance to send any kind of message through to warn them about what was happening. SG-1 wants to go and take a look around at the planet, but Dr. Frazier says that she 
for sure wants to check them all out first, especially Jack, since he's one that actually touched one of the dead bodies. Daniel sneezes. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack is like, that's totally just allergies, right? We don't know, but that definitely had a, like, every time we cough, now we're like, it, it's not no, COVID, I, I swear. It did very much remind me of the now times. Yeah. I also, like, Carter totally gives him, like, this side eye as she walks by him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Can you blame her? I mean, that's how I look at no. everybody that I hear coughing in public now. That is true. <laughs> I just want to say the last two episodes, yeah. I really liked Fraser's hair. Oh, I hadn't it's been noticed. been, like, nice and bouncy, and it's just a good look for her. Nice. I don't know. It's just, yeah. hadn't noticed. I'll t- have to pay more attention next time. It's very important that you do. It is extremely important. <laughs> um, it was especially bouncy last episode, nice. but this one, too. So then we're outside, and the team is in full hazmat suit things, except for Teal'c, who yep. is immune to all things because he has a hagfish inside <laughs> indeed but can he not like pick something up on his clothes i mean i guess they you can't contaminate them after they get out of their outfit their hazmat suits anyway but i would <laughs> yeah i think like... that's the theory but i would think it would be better for him to at least like wear the suit even if he wasn't necessarily keeping the hood on because the cloth that. and all the folds and the many layers are probably going to be way harder to decontaminate than just the plastic maybe surface just, or whatever it is that those suits are made out of maybe he just takes his clothes off when he gets back and shoots his weapon at them and <laughs> just incinerates, incinerates them, them. Yep. <laughs> i do not know what reusing clothing means <laughs> i do this every night regardless of contaminants <laughs> this is how jaffa rolls where do the Jaffa get their new clothes every day? Pray tell. <laughs> it is a Jaffa secret. <laughs> maybe, maybe they store a bunch of clothes in their pouch. Oh, <laughs> then why wouldn't they be wet and slimy and apparently yellow? <laughs> so they're walking along and Daniel's uh, saying... Oh, the indigenous people told him this would happen, that there, with the darkness comes the apocalypse. Um, that's part of their lore. And apparently, it came true. Um, and he's like, oh, I told them it was just an eclipse, nothing to worry about, very regretful. Um, they are coming across bodies, and what they're doing is putting little red tags on them. I guess to count them, I guess, and mark them as... Having been found. Yeah, I, I guess so, so that if they find, like, a random body, they know whether or not yeah. it's been accounted for, I think. Because they do end yeah, up with a final tally eventually, so yeah, I think you're that's right true. That they're using that as a, a count. The tag is just... It, Carter puts a tag on this woman, and it's just kind of tucked under her hand a little bit, yeah. not really affixed, and I was like, what if the wind picks right. up? Um, and it looks like the tag's got some barcodes on it, and the planet designation, mm-hmm. which was PX8987. In case anyone oh, had not noticed that. wanted to know that. And then we see a child's hand reach out from the taller grass and take the tag off of the dead woman. And Carter notices this. And she's trying to get this tiny hand of a, a child to come out. <laughs> so she's like, it's okay. We're not, you know, we're friendly. It's uh, it's okay to come out. 
and she surmises the problem is they look really scary in their suits. So Jack then orders Teal'c to go look friendly at the girl and get her to come out. <laughs> Teal'c does tend to scowl a lot, so... He does. It is probably does. a good idea that Jack specify yeah. he should look friendly as he tries to get the kid. Because he was yeah. actively scowling at the time, too. He was. He was. He was. But Teal'c moves around to, uh, and encounters the girl and tells her they're not going to hurt her. And he reaches out his hand and she reaches out and comes out to him. Um, he did look way less intimidating. Yes. He was actually face, smiling. The, the expression of Stacey. Yeah, it, like a real smile, yeah. not like that other weird smile that I think it, somebody told him to try to smile. Yeah, and, and he had like a creepy, <laughs> phony smile. Yeah. No, this seemed more genuine. I mean, I can't blame him. I get really annoyed when people tell me to smile too, and I often will also give them a fake smile similar to the, yeah. the one from that other episode. Yeah, just don't tell people to smile. Yeah, definitely don't tell people to smile. Especially not if you are an older man telling a younger woman to smile. And that she'd be prettier if she smiled. Don't do that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it's okay if you have a camera out and you're taking a picture of somebody who wants <laughs> yes. you to take their picture and you're like, smile. I that's guess it's like okay That's probably the one then. time that that's okay. Back at the observatory, Sam and Dr. Fraser are checking the kid out. Sam's trying to comfort her, and Dr. Frazier says it's going to be okay to take their masks off because it seems to be a bacterial infection, and they will probably be able to treat it now that they know, but in any case, it's not airborne, so it should be fine to have their masks removed. Sam tries to talk to the kid who hangs the red tag on herself, but Sam assures the kid she does not need to be wearing that because she's not going to die, she's not currently dead, and tries to take the tag from the kid, but... For whatever reason, the kid really wants to hang on to it and does not let Sam have it. Over across the room, Dr. Fraser is looking at some numbers and all of a sudden is like, wow, this can't be right. And Sam is like, oh no, she's infected, isn't she? So Dr. Fraser says, no, she's technically fine, but she has a bunch of the Stargate material known as Naquita in her blood. And maybe that somehow has something to do with why she didn't get infected. But it's still weird to be finding this in someone's blood. Then some random yeah. guy comes over and hands Fraser a folder for no apparent reason, and that's the end of the scene. Woo! <laughs> I love getting yeah. handed folders for no reason. It's my favorite thing. Yep. It made me wonder, like, was there supposed to be something else that happened after that? Otherwise, like, why bother including that in the scene? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole team now is talking. Frazier and Sam have bad news, and that is that they have discovered the entire area, including the water and the soil, is all contaminated. That's inconvenient. It is. Uh, Frazier goes on to say that the bacteria, again, is not airborne, but survives in a variety of environments, so very not good. On the bright side, the team's not infected, and neither is the girl. Woohoo! And also, for good measure, because Fraser's a smart lady, she checked, and the girl is not a ghoul. Yeah, that's a good thing to look for. They should have done that with Hathor last episode, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so they decide they're going to take her back with them. Uh, Carter thinks they should stay a while longer uh, because she needs to do science. Yeah, they still have the original mission that she wants to finish, yes. which is understandable. Yeah. 
Um, and she she argues that all the people died for nothing if they don't leave if they don't uh, do their scientific experiments. Yeah, that which... logic doesn't really track to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's okay. They're convinced anyway, so Teal'c is going to Teal'c and Jack are going to stay behind. Carter can't go because in the meantime, uh, the girl has come out and grabbed Carter's arm and is clinging to her. So clearly, Carter needs to go back with her. At the Henka Gate, Daniel, Sam, and the girl are all in hazmat suits, and they are trying to tell the kid that she doesn't need to be scared. It's okay. It'll be kind of fun to go through the gate. And so they both take her hands and go through the gate together. At the Earthside Gate, they are immediately sprayed down when they enter the room as part of uh, the first step of decontamination. And now they've got a new decontamination airlock that's been installed at the door of the gate room, which you would think should have been there this whole time already, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't their first uh, encounter with uh, things they brought back from the other side, so yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Really, I feel like maybe this should be standard procedure. You would think it should be, but hey, it's not because we never see that thing again after this episode either. No. no. <laughs> I think I've only seen that kind of thing once before, and that was at um, Litchfield Hills Road Race because it was so hot. Oh, really? Firefighters had set up one of those things and were spraying water, not like decontamination yeah. stuff at us because that would have <laughs> been really weird. Just because it's hot, someone might want to tell them that because it would make their race planning <laughs> way easier. <laughs> right. So anyway, they take the kid to the new guest room, which is way less fancy than the old guest room. So I'm guessing that Hathor and Daniel must have like really caused a ton of damage when they were getting it on last time so they need a different guest room maybe the little girl just isn't worthy of such <laughs> fine not. quarters yeah, she's not worthy of the fanciness so she gets one with a much smaller bed a smaller room and sam tries to leave her there but she says that she'll be back later to check on the kid but the kid kind of holds on to her and makes it clear that she does not want Sam to leave, so Sam does not leave. Aww. Aww. So in the conference room, they're watching the little girl in her room, and she's already gotten some upgrades. There's a nice uh, bedspread on there, and she's got posters now, and there's a table and chairs. So that's really nice. Yeah. They fixed her up a little bit. That's good so that they're trying to make the poor traumatized child yeah. comfortable. It's good, yeah. Because we've already seen like a few episodes before that Hammond doesn't really put a whole lot of stock in mental health, so. That is true. <laughs> so that's good that they're at least trying to make the kid comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Frazier reports they found 1,432 people dead yes. on the planet. And she thinks they could be indirectly responsible, perhaps by bringing a harmless bacteria from Earth to their planet where it learned some new traits from a local organism and mutated sounds terrible yeah technically a real thing that can happen though like assuming that they were genetically compatible lateral gene transfer is where bacteria can actually like transfer genes between species and between non-related okay. individuals so theoretically real science also a thing they should probably worry about on every mission they do right. again <laughs> exactly <laughs> but again i guess if they have to worry about all of that the in all episodes would spe be spent doing all this preparation and we'd never actually get to anything interesting so true 
Kevin, you know, wants to be reassured that they did not take any of this uh, very deadly infection back with them through the Stargate, and he is assured that no. And Fraser thinks the girl might have a natural immunity that saved her, and then also might be able to be used to f- not only fight that, but other infections on Earth. <laughs> um, not likely, but maybe. She's got big plans for this girl. Um <laughs> Hammond asks uh, why the team didn't report the out- outbreak. Fraser and Daniel give each other kind of a look uh, before saying they don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what that look was about, but we look at the monitor again and we zoom in on Sam with an elephant hand puppet and then it zooms further in and then we transition very nicely into the girl's room with Sam and the girl. Yeah, I thought that was a nice transition too. Kind of the opposite of what we saw a couple episodes ago where they were in the... Um old old timey past and zoomed out to show daniel watching a monitor yeah i thought it was nice in the bunk room sam's trying to show the kid how to eat a hot dog but the kid apparently just wants to eat one plain without a bun and i can't believe they started this kid on earth food with fucking hot dogs (laughs) but hot dogs are great hot dogs are monstrous hot dogs are delicious and your opinions are bad and you should feel bad they're disgusting I feel no badness about hating hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs are amazing. <laughs> uh, I am trying to be more vegetarian, but I will always have hot dogs. I, I, I in theory, am, but I made a beef Wellington this week, so <laughs> we'll, uh, it's not going great. No, I guess not. <laughs> it's been in my head, and I needed to get it out of my system. I've never had beef Wellington, but it sounds amazing. <gasps> it's delicious. So good. <laughs> it was a lot of work. I mean, it wasn't that much work. It was a little bit of work. I've I've done worse. That's more than I typically put into any meal. So it means I yeah. will never eat it unless someday going to restaurants is a thing again. That is not a terrible idea the way it is now. Do you know I've looked around for restaurants that serve it, and most of them seem to only do it as like a special. So you'd have to catch them on the right night, at least around here. I don't know. And also, I don't go to super fancy restaurants because I don't have that kind of money. But <laughs> Fair. You know, okay, fancy restaurants. Anyway. Anyway, that was a complete <laughs> tangent. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> kid's eating her hot dog and they are doing some drawing. The girl has drawn a picture of herself crying over all of the dead bodies of everyone she knows. So that was super sad. But... Sam adds a little stick figure next to the kid, presumably meant to represent Sam, and tells the kid that she's not alone, and that does make the kid smile. That's a little rude of her to just mess up this girl's art like that. I agree. You should never draw on. Uh, you should never ever draw on someone else's artwork. I very much agree with that. And I used to take a lot of art classes, and it always drove me crazy whenever I had a teacher that would do that. And there's a lot of debate among art teachers that I have known about whether or not you should. But I don't think you should. <laughs> that seems wrong. Yeah. Like, unless someone explicitly asks you to help them. I remember a few times in art classes thinking that, like, whatever the teacher had added or changed actually completely ruined what I was trying to go for, so don't do it. Bah. Yeah. Bah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> then we get another funny little scene on the planet with Jack and Teal'c. They're just sitting around waiting for the eclipse so they can do their telescoping. They have eight hours, apparently, yes. still to go. <laughs> That's... 
that's a lot of time. Yes. Why did they wait there the whole time? Like, why didn't they have them come back here and then go back and reduce their risk of exposure by not spending so much time on the planet? I mean, I guess they said that the place was decontaminated there, so maybe they thought the trip itself back and forth would risk extra contamination. Maybe that could be, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, Tilk does not not understand a black hole. So Jack tries to explain it's a really big thing and a massive <laughs> <Yes>. hole <laughs> out there. He's not a good science educator. <laughs> no. But but Tilk Tilk says I see. So he he's understanding yeah. Jack's uh, explanation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Jack elaborates that everything gets sucked in, even the light, which is why we can't see it. And then Tilk thanks him for his lesson. Yeah, he does seem to kind of get it. He doesn't, like, have a confused look when he thanks him and doesn't seem to be facetious no. about it. So presumably no. he gets it, despite that the poor explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Back on Earth in oh. the bunk room, Sam is sitting on the bed with the kid and the kid is sleeping. Daniel comes in and offers to take over babysitting duty, but the kid does not want Sam to go. She's just woken up at this point. And she actually grabs Sam's hand and can apparently speak English because she asks Sam not to go. Sam asks what her name is, and it turns out the kid's name is Cassandra. And Cassandra tells Sam that she hurts. And when Sam asks where, she points to her heart. Which I thought was emotional pain, but we will soon learn that that actually is not the case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also initially thought maybe that's where they were going with right. that. Which would, again, be super understandable because the kid just lost everyone she knows. Yeah. Yeah. She seems to be actually doing surprisingly well, given what yeah. horribleness has just happened. Yeah. Agreed. I'm not sure I would be so good. No. I'm also not a kid, but... True. I don't know. Um, so they go have her examined, or Carter has her, takes her to Fraser, and Fraser has examined her and has found no fluid in her lungs, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> The girl had described it as a sharp stabbing pain. Mm-hmm. And then Fraser pulls uh, Sam aside and confesses she doesn't know what to do uh, because she has a ridiculous blood def- or potassium deficiency all of a sudden. And she doesn't know how or why it got so low so fast. But one of the effects of that could be an arrhythmia. So maybe that explains her chest pain issue. Carter then starts to take her back to her room when the girl suddenly doubles over and then is completely unresponsive. She just falls into Carter's arms and then then laid on the table. They do some uh, chest compressions on her and it turns into a little like ER scene with all kinds of crazy things. You know, they're doing chest compressions. She's barking orders. They end up shocking her heart. Medical jargon. Left and right. It's crazy. <laughs> then she listens to the girl's heart and is like, we need a chest x-ray right now. And Carter's like, what's wrong? And Fraser hands her the stethoscope for a listen, which they let us hear the sound too. Mm-hmm. So it clearly doesn't sound like any other TV heartbeat I've ever heard or my cat's heartbeat, which are the <laughs> only heartbeats I've listened to. So clearly there is something weird about it. But I, if I hadn't heard it on TV, I might not have. Like, knowing the difference. Yeah. The issue so. is that there's a noise in between the heartbeats, kind of like a heart murmur, ah. but to me it sounded like more metallic than an actual okay. heart murmur. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, but I've heard recordings of heart murmurs, and so it sounded a lot more metallic than that would, but typically between heartbeats you should not be hearing any additional noise. Gotcha. Yeah. Pepper's heartbeats really fast. Because she's a kitty. 
She is. And then she purrs, and it takes forever <laughs> to stop the purring so you can actually get her heart rate. Which I have to do because she gets so stressed at the vet that it's always super high to the point where the vet's like, she needs more meds. Good times. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Cat cast also <laughs> getting in here a little bit. I bet there's a podcast called Cat Cast. Sure and they'll be is. disappointed if it's not about casts. <laughs> but it's about someone named Cat or something like that. That would be like way that. more boring. Yeah. So then we see a chest x-ray with a round thingy object <laughs> inside her chest. It's a good way to describe uh, it. It's just yeah. a weird looking thing. Yeah. Smartly, they've told Hammond about it because he's there also. Rather than revealing it at a more dramatic time <laughs> where he might need to know these things. And he wants to know what it is. They don't know. It wasn't there 10 hours ago. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> a little bit later in the surgical theater, Cassandra is unconscious and they have her laying on the table. And they're using an arthroscope to try to get a better look at the thing. Dr. Frazier says that parts of it seem to be organic, but it looks like a metal ball when they're actually showing pictures of it. The main surgeon, who is not actually Dr. Frazier, is trying to get a biopsy of it, but then there's some pretty hard surfaces that he's trying to scrape for samples instead. And as he's doing this, Cassandra's heart rate keeps climbing and climbing, and Dr. Frazier tells him that he needs to stop. But then all of a sudden, Cassandra flatlines. So they go to shock her again, even though flatlining is not a shockable rhythm. But her heart rate comes back all of a sudden before they actually do get the paddles on her. Oh, the other doctor, I think she names him later, is Dr. Warner, who is the cool-headed doctor from the enemy within who managed to sound the alarm before, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Oh, nice. Kowalski kills him. (laughs) Interesting. Good to know they brought him back. Yeah. (laughs) Shortly after that, we're having another one of those walk and talk kinds of scenes. Dr. Frazier and Hammond are in a hallway and there's some formal looking randos behind them following them. And Dr. Frazier tells Hammond that the thing seems to be in control of her heart and can stop it in an instance. But they are still waiting on analysis to figure out exactly what it is and what it's made out of. That's a smart thing, yeah. whatever the thingy is. Apparently. Can just kill her at will. Apparently so. Why did I write girl mom? That doesn't make sense. That the girl calls her mom? Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean? Or girl calls mom. for her mom anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I make totally <laughs> sensical notes. <laughs> Like Mother Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Cassandra, the Tobias Fuque of this (laughs) series. No, that's not right. Buster Blue. Buster. Sister's my new mother, mother. Oh my god. I blew that one. I'm afraid I just blew myself. (laughs) You did. So back with uh, <laughs> Sam and uh, so back with Sam and Cassandra. Uh, Cassandra is sleeping, but it calls out mom, and then wakes up uh, and tells Carter she was dreaming about her mom and that she misses her mom and she's tired. So Carter tells her to get some rest and that everything's gonna be fine and she's gonna show her the planet one day. And then they hug. They do. 
Carter gets up and leaves, I think, after she tucks her back in. Mm-hmm. And Daniel is outside sitting on a chair reading in the hallway for some reason. Like, it's just a random chair. It's yeah. That chair does not belong there. So he deliberately brought it here right. and is reading outside the It's room. not a comfortable looking chair. It's not a place we would no. just necessarily hang out. But so Daniel cares. Waiting. He does care. Yeah, Daniel cares. So, And he offers to basically babysit her tomorrow so Sam can get a break. And she says that, no, she's fine. But then, and then goes to leave, but then turns back and says that she wants to do this. And Daniel's like, you don't have to do this alone. And I was like, oh, Daniels. Back in the observatory, Jack says that it is shoe time finally. So I guess their eight-hour wait is up. Woohoo! He and Teal'c get the microscope ready to go. And Jack looks through it and says, whoa. Back in the lab, Sam and Daniel are looking at the chest x-ray again. Sam says that the layers of fatty tissue surrounding the device are decaying slowly. And Daniel asks what that means or why that's important. And Sam says she's going to do an experiment to find out what the significance of that is. So apparently one side of the thing is made up of iron and potassium, while the other side is made of naquita, which is, again, that element that the gate is made out of. And Sam says that potassium is one of the most volatile alkaline metals on Earth. And... That combining it with even just a small amount of Nakoda would be really, really bad. So she's going to try to actually do an experiment to figure out exactly how bad that is by using one of the lead-lined rooms that they have in the basement of the facility. And she's got two robot arms, each holding just the tiniest microscopic particle of the two metal, um, the two metals, potassium and Nakoda. And so she slowly brings the arms together, and then there's an explosion, and the screen goes blank. Dr. Frazier says that the readings are off the chart for both gamma and particle radiation. And Daniel's like, well, are we safe here? And they assure him that it is, because it was a lead-lined room that they were doing the experiment in. But the long story short for this one is that if two particles could cause that huge of a reaction then the whole big thing inside of Cassandra would cause a huge reaction a million times bigger. Not good. Back on the planet, Jack is looking through the telescope while Teal watches the eclipse on the computer. Jack sees something and asks, what is that? And they zoom in on this something and it's too close to determine to be a star, but then Teal'c actually recognizes it as a Gould, Gould, Gould attack vessel. <laughs> uh oh. Back at the SGC, uh, they are in the conference room again, and Daniel is telling him, and it's a setup. It has to be the the Gould killed everyone on the planet except Cassandra, and then made them think it was their fault because they would knew they knew. The humans would bring her back with them. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Yes, and it's it's very diabolical. Apparently, what they've done because they didn't detect it when they were coming back through the gate, and it didn't form until later. <laughs> right, and that they have might they may have even you know facilitated the development of this device inside Cassandra by giving her iron supplements and shocking her heart. So they think that the uh, the bomb will at least destroy the SGC. And Daniel's like, they use this girl like a Trojan horse. And 
Hammond wants to know how long they have, and they precisely have one hour and 52 minutes until this bomb goes off because the cellular decay is happening like clockwork, so they can accurately predict that time. Science. Science. <laughs> Back in the bunk room, Daniel and Sam are watching Cassandra sleep and talking about how monstrous the gold are for essentially making a bomb out of her and making her really sick. And Sam is getting teary and says she knows she's supposed to remain detached. And Daniel's like, says who? And Sam says, oh, right. I tend to forget that you are not also military. Back at the observatory, Jack and Tilk are watching the ship on screen. And Tilk says that he recognizes it as the ship of the Gua'uld Nirti, who is an enemy of Apophis. And we see little things that seem to be flying away from it all of a sudden. So Jack asks what the hell that was. And Tilk is quite alarmed at this point and says that they need to get out of there. Back at the SGC, uh, Hammond has just gotten off his red phone. Not sure if he was talking to Bestie President because he does talk to other people on that phone. But Apparently. he could have been talking to them. Yeah, I thought on, up to this point we were kind of under the impression that it's just for the president. But then he asks to talk to someone else on it later. Yeah. Sam is like, this decision is not easy. And Hammond's like, well, the decision's easy, but the consequences are difficult. And Carter's like, isn't there any other way? Taking this object out of the girl will kill her. Yeah. So they don't have any other choice except for to send the girl back through the Stargate. Within the next hour and 20 minutes, um, and Carter volunteers to go with her, and Hammond says, actually, we're going to add SG-4 to that, and on the way back, also pick up a Jack and Teal. <laughs> One, the Jack and Teal, please. Yes. On the other planet, Teal and Jack are running for the gate while dodging fire from gold aircraft that are shooting at them. They dive off the path and take cover in some trees while they're trying to hide and wait for the aircraft to pass. And Tilk takes a moment here to continue to explain who Nirti is and says that at one point in the past, Nirti sent an emissary of peace to try to negotiate a treaty with Apophis regarding a stargate that Apophis had taken control of, but the negotiation was all just a ploy and the gate was destroyed. So Jack asks how, and Tilk says that as soon as he entered the stargate, it's actually a little ambiguous who he was, but I'm assuming it actually meant the emissary of peace. Uh, as soon as he entered the stargate, there was a massive explosion, and Jack takes a second to think about it, and then he's like, oh, the girl, and Tilk nods. And I'm assuming that it was the emissary because we know that Nirti and Apophis are still both alive and that's the only other person they were right, talking about. Right, right. <laughs> so back in the gate room, everyone is suited up and ready to go to the planet. That's the end of that scene. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we flip back to Jack and Teal running for the gate. So we do a lot of back and forth in this part we where, uh, you know, for dramatic effect, I think. Quite. Obviously, yeah. It's effective. <laughs> Yeah, so Jack and Teal running for the gate, still being fired upon, and then back in the gate room, the gate is dialing, and the girl collapses, Cassandra. Back on the planet, Jack almost gets hit, but then fall and falls over. He, he's missed, but is very close, and Teal starts dialing the gate. Uh, Fraser reaches the girl in on the other side. Um, she's in a coma, she says. Can you know that immediately of someone? No. I don't know about that. No. Okay. The gate just opens, which, so they hadn't finished dialing, so this is coming from Tilk's side of things. They're like, oh no, but then they're like, it's okay, there's a SG-1 signal. So then Jack and Tilk run through the gate. 
That's how they run. They do. And they're followed by some shrapnel, too, I noticed. Oh, I missed <laughs> Because that. when they came through the gate, Dr. Frazier and Sam both, like, bodily block Cassandra. And I'm like, why did they just throw themselves on top of Cassandra just because the two guys were coming through? So I actually rewound it and noticed that there was actually, like, shrapnel and rocks and dust that came through after Jack and Teal'c. Oh, man. And it wasn't until they showed that stuff coming through that Dr. Frazier and Sam then dove on top of Cassandra to protect her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then Jack yells, get the girl away from the gate. Ah. And then he pulls his hat off and hasn't had any decontamination at all because clearly it came to you through too fast. I would hope at least that they decontaminate all of them before the next scene where they're all going up the <laughs> stairs. I hope so. And we have SG-1, all of SG-1, Hammond and Dr. Frazier. Jack is telling them that SG-7 was killed to keep them from warning Stargate Command about what was happening on the planet, and it was all part of the Gwold plan. Daniel asks what they are supposed to do now. Hammond, talking to Teal'c, says that Dr. Fraser said that the device is on a timer, and Hammond asks if Teal'c is absolutely sure that the thing would automatically go off despite the timer if they were to send Cassandra through the gate. And Teal'c says yes, because the aim would be to destroy the Earth Gate altogether to get rid of the threat that's posed by SGC. Sam says that Cassandra's condition deteriorated rapidly when she got near the Stargate and Hammond says, well, we can't risk this facility, so we need to take her somewhere else. And Jack mentions an abandoned nuclear facility nearby. Hammond excitedly remembers that that thing is only 20 minutes away, so he goes to his office and picks up the red phone and that's when he asks for the Secretary of Defense and we find out that it's not just the president he talks to on that phone. He's got a lot of good friends. He does have many besties. Then they take a truck yes. to the place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it for that scene. <laughs> yeah. um, so they head inside <laughs> once they arrive at this abandoned nuclear facility. They uh, walk through a long corridor to room one. And Jack offers to take uh, Cassandra from Sam, who is still carrying this uh, unconscious girl. And Sam refuses. She's going to take this girl apparently down, Jack says, 30 floors of solid rock. It's a three-minute ride down the elevator. And then that's going to give her four minutes before she has to start to go back up before the girl goes boom. Yes. That's terrible. It is quite terrible. Yeah. Even worse is the fact that in the elevator all the way down, Cassandra wakes up and asks Sam where they're going. And Sam tells her to go back to sleep, but the kid says she's not tired anymore. So Sam puts her down, and Cassandra asks why Sam is crying. And Sam's like, no, I'm fine. Everything's good. It's all good. On the surface, everyone's watching the elevator count, the floor count, on a little screen. And then back in the elevator, Sam and Cassandra get off on the bottom level. and go into this bunker-like room. Sam tells Cassandra to sit down and rest for a little bit, and that she has to go. But Cassandra's like, but you promised you'd never leave me alone, and Sam promises that she'll be back, which I'm sure must have been horribly, awfully difficult. But she tells the kid that she's being really brave and says that when she goes, she's going to have to close the door, but again, she's promised that she'll come back. 
And so she gets up, she closes the door, the kid gets up to start calling to her, and Sam is just crying her eyes out at this point as she's locking the kid into this bunker and turning the giant wheel on the door to secure it closed. She gets back in the elevator, starts to head up, and is having a really tough time dealing with this whole situation. (laughs) Basically. That's me, but yeah. (laughs) And suddenly she's like collapsed on the floor basically at this point in tears and suddenly jumps up and hits the stop button and tells the elevator to go back down. Jack, of course, since he was watching the numbers at the top, realizes that this is happening and so calls her on the comm system and tells her that she needs to get back up there right away. But, of course, Sam calls back down and says that she's staying. And Colonel tries to make it in order, but, of course, because nobody listens to orders on the Stargate team, she's like, nope, I'm going, going back down. And so Sam gets back to the bottom. She goes back into the room that she just locked up and locks the door again, but this time with herself inside. Ugh. So with a minute left... Jack tries to tell Daniel and Teal to leave. Yep. And again, that's not going to happen. Yeah. They're they're not listening. He didn't make he didn't an order, order this them, time, but... at least. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we are back down in the sad, sad room with Carter and Cassandra. Yep. And they're both very brave. Yep. And the girl's like, I love you. And Sam's like, I love you too. Back up on the surface. Jack's watching his watch and he's like, here we go. And the timer counts down to zero and blinks and then nothing happens. And Daniel asks, well, what if we're wrong about the time? Which is a very valid question that everyone seems to kind of blow off. Jack calls down and Sam answers and she's like, yeah, we're fine. Everything's fine here. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, those processes are like clockwork, man. Yeah, of so course. I think we're yep. okay. Yeah, biological processes for sure work like <laughs> clockwork. If there's one thing I know about biology, it's that. I'm also picking up your Star Wars there. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case it wasn't clear, I heard that. <laughs> Sam says that she just couldn't leave Cassandra, but that they are perfectly fine and that nothing happens. And Jack asks how she knew nothing was going to happen. And Sam says that it occurred to her that Cassandra only slipped into a coma when she got near the gate, but woke up when she got further away from it. And then she just knew. And Jack's like, you knew. And I guess that's enough of an explanation because (laughs) that's the only explanation that we really get. Yep. (laughs) So we get our final scene. We are outside in a park. Daniel and uh, Sam are holding on to Cassandra, who's doing that like jump swing between two adults that kids sometimes do. Yes, I I don't know how to describe that, but uh, <laughs> Teal's there. He's got a hat on. It looks for fedora-ish. Yeah, that's what I call it. Kind of tan. Too. I'm adding it to my list. I was like, ooh, Kathy's hat watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That goes okay with his uh, his jacket. I don't know. It wasn't a perfect match for me when they got up close, but that's okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> very important. It's <laughs> and Jack is walking towards them uh, as they reach a bench with a dog for Cassandra, uh, who's never seen a dog before. Yeah. So he brings the dog. She she goes to greet him, and he tells her that there is a rule on Earth that every kid has got to have a dog. That should be a rule on Earth. I know, right? But we can't even get people to wear masks, so we for sure cannot get people (laughs) to get all of their kids a dog. That's true. 
Um, so he hands her the dog to hold, and then she nuzzles him. And I have two things to say about this. The first is, I'm glad she likes dogs, like, immediately, because yeah. she, she could have had a different reaction. I know people who don't like dogs. I don't trust those people. Yeah, well. The second is, why are they carrying that dog yeah, around the entire time? I get her holding him, because... Jack was holding him too, so why would she put the dog down? But like, yeah. even later when Jack walks away and takes the dog, he carries He's the like, dog away. Go walk this dog, and then he carries it away. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's like those people that walk their dog in a stroller. <laughs> it drives well, me crazy people, when I see that. They're getting exercise, the humans anyway. <laughs> so, but. Carrying this dog I don't know. Around. And it's not like it was like a super tiny puppy that like maybe couldn't walk. It looked like it was probably a full grown dog. It was a small dog, obviously, because they were carrying it, but yeah. it wasn't like super young puppy. Maybe he got her the daintiest dog ever who won't even step on grass. <laughs> Just... <laughs> maybe. That's like my dog Zoe used to be. She didn't like if it was too wet. She didn't like if it was too dry. She didn't like getting dirt in her toes. She was Aww. a very picky dog about what surfaces <laughs> she would work on. So, yeah, maybe this dog was like my dog Zoe was. Well, way to get this girl a high-maintenance dog for her first dog. Good job, Jack. <laughs> Stupid Jack. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? Daniel and Sam sit on the bench. I noticed when Daniel was sitting down, you could see his uh, microphone transmitter on his back belt. Oh, really? And I was like... Can I can I make can I pretend that he has a, a, a an old flip phone that he just wears upside down on the back of his belt for some <laughs> <Nice>. reason? <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Daniel wants to know how Carter really knew. The Carter Sam is again like just I just knew. He looks like mother's instinct. Yeah. He didn't say it like that, but I know, but it still annoyed me that he said yeah. it. Not all women have mother's uh, instinct. Thank you. No. Um, Carter took that uh, well, though. She wasn't like, uh, about it. She was just like, no, I'm not going to keep her for myself. Dr. Frazier's going to take her until they can find parents with the right security clearance to <laughs> raise her. But she thinks Frazier might want to keep her for herself. They also talk about how this, the object, now that she's completely away from the gate, is shrinking and being reabsorbed into her system. I liked that the Gould weren't so cruel that if it didn't work, they killed the girl anyway. Right. That's good, at least, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, or maybe they just think people are too stupid and it's clearly not going to fail. Yeah, that probably which could is be more likely. Too, yeah. <laughs> Jack takes the dog for a walk in his arms, and Teal and Daniel follow. And Carter and Cassandra are left alone. Um, Carter promises to visit. And reminds her that the Stargate is a super huge secret, but they've set up a fake backstory where she was born in Toronto, so it's cool. And then they spot a swing that Cassandra has never seen before, and so they go to go swing. In a very happy, sweet, treacly ending to this episode. (laughs) I, I didn't hate it, but I was like, oh man, this is really really sweet (laughs) yeah a little too much for me i'm not a very sentimental person and i found it annoying (laughs) i mean it's fine i don't i didn't want the girl to blow up no i obviously obviously didn't want the girl (laughs) just because i found the ending to be too sappy doesn't mean i wanted the kid to die (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny story. I was actually I was on IMDb looking up like the girl actor, the girl who played Cassandra because I just was like, maybe I know her from things. Apparently, she's got a long storied career, but I have not seen anything she's yeah. in. So, um, but. <laughs> I actually read people's reviews on IMDb oh, really? for this uh, episode. I don't know why. That was <laughs> dumb. But people were people were mad. They didn't like go full on gritty and blow up this girl at the end. Wow. <laughs> and one person was like, Sam was stupid for staying. She said, what kind of training does the military give? She can't like detach herself. And was... <laughs> so horrible like, garbage people, people were reviewing this Horrible episode, monsters. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And also, this was also, if this show were made today, maybe they would have blown up a child, but this was the 90s and that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Good times. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think of the episode overall, aside from the last scene? <laughs> <laughs> I actually really liked it a lot. Um, uh, I thought that it was a good episode of like um, thinking this episode was going to be something else. Cause they were dealing with another virus and I thought, or, you know, illness. And I thought they were going to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Even though I've seen this before, I just clearly didn't remember any of it. Yeah. Some, and... some episodes make less of an impression than others, but then it, yeah. Then it took a turn to this one girl who has a bomb in her chest. Holy cow. And it's about the gold after all. And I, I, I liked the twists of it. And I was, I liked, um, I liked the connection between Sam and the girl. I thought that was really nice. And yeah, it was very emotional in a mostly good way, except for the very, very sweet ending where the girl just gets a dog and lives happily. I don't, anyway, <laughs> just, I really liked it. Yeah. It was, it was really nice. Yeah, we got to see. I guess we got to see like a softer side of Carter too. Not that she was super like a hard person, but like she's very like science, science, science. Yeah, yeah, yeah I liked it for the most part. Um, I had actually not really remembered much about this episode, so I was also surprised by the whole device thing because I really didn't remember much about the plot at all. So for the most part, I did like it. It always does annoy me a bit when everything on tv is like oh women all women love babies all women love kids so yeah. let's show the soft side of dr fraser and dr carter That's because fair. they're women so they must love kids and so as somebody who has chosen to not have too many children in my life <laughs> <laughs> Same. as somebody who generally tries to avoid children i get annoyed by that stereotype because i then run into a bunch of people who are like oh you must be so sad that you don't have kids and you know there used to be people that would tell me like oh you still have time it's fine i'm like no i chose this it's it's not a matter of whether or not i still have time this is what i chose with my life to not have that's totally fair so it does it does annoy me to a certain extent when everything on tv just goes by that stereotype of all women love children and yeah. will bond with children instantly, even though they don't know the kid and the kid's going through trauma. Yeah. Um, but if I can look past that annoyance for overall, I thought it was an enjoyable episode. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, we've got a girl on our team. Yeah. She's going to be designated baby mama. Right. If there's baby around, she's the mama. Yeah. And there was that, you know, yeah. there was that episode 
a while back where they're like, maybe Sam can deliver this baby. And she's like, don't look at me. So <laughs> they true. don't always fall back on that stereotype. That's very to true. To the writer's credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only uh, more treacly ending of anything that I have uh, encountered is the end of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a very sappy ending. I was like burn those pages man come on <laughs> I didn't actually I don't really burn books yeah, so that would be terrible don't burn books. No, not for that no. unless you're it's literally a life or death situation where you need a fire and all you have are books around to get that going yeah like in the day after tomorrow I never saw that oh it's a <laughs> It's one of those oh, okay. end-of-the-world movies where they're actually literally burning books to try to keep warm in one scene. Ah. Uh, yes. That's it. That's, that's it. We, we do a lot of prescribing on this show. Like, it's appropriate to do this. It's not appropriate to do that. We have so much life experience to share with everybody. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Please enjoy our wisdom. Yes. <laughs> We are SMRT here. Indeed. So. so what are we watching next? Next we are watching. Oh, I thought I had it queued up, but I don't. I don't have the booklet with me because I climbed under this uh, blanket and I wasn't going to climb back out to go get it. So let me find uh, the description on the Netflix again. Hello, Netflix. Hello, Kathy. <laughs> How are you today? I'm great. Watch a movie on me. Do people watch movies on you really? I just Don't they just movie on binge Netflix today? Ah, oh, I feel like most people just binge TV. That is what I usually use it most for. But also, I like to watch terrible horror movies, and I watched one this afternoon, and I hey. enjoyed it. I've been watching Great British Bake Off, so <gasps> yeah, we've already binge watched so all good. of that. So. Well, I guess nice. you can't really binge watch that one though, because it was only coming out once a week anyway. It was, but I think oh, I waited wait? long enough yeah. that yeah. <laughs> I love that show. Um, yeah, me too. Oh, look. <laughs> the good place picture has Chidi with an open shirt on. <laughs> and then <laughs> nice. And his thumbs up. It's hilarious. Awesome. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I found the uh, the next episode we're watching. It is called Korai. C-O-R-A-I, in case you're curious. It is the 16th episode of season one, by my count. Teal'c is put on trial by the son of a man he jailed when he served the evil Goa'uld Apophis. That's it. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, I don't think I do either. I basically just one... remember Teal'c is like, yeah, that's fair. I deserve this. Yeah. He's very matter oh, of fact yeah. about it as he is about many other things. But that's really that's the right. only thing I remember about it. Oh, man, I didn't even remember that, but yes, now I do. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good of him to take responsibility for his actions. Yeah, he does. He does try. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> anyway. Please make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever other podcatcher you like best, because we're on pretty much all of them, and our episodes are released every other Monday. We are on YouTube as well, and we appreciate reviews very much, especially five-star reviews. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so on Twitter. We're at StargateSing, or by email, StargateSing at gmail.com. 
you can like our page on Facebook or join our Facebook group, and you can also find us on patreon.com slash stargatesing if you're feeling generous and would like to contribute to help us cover our costs for producing the podcasts. You can check out our website at stargatesing.space as well. I have been Mary. I have been Kathy. And this has been Stargatesing. The end. The end. Yay! Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed.